Welcome to the Expert Series, brought to you by the Lupus Foundation of America. Our health education team is here to bring you experts in lupus to discuss topics to help you live better. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. My name is Melissa, and I'll be your host. I'm very excited today to welcome Dr. Bonnie Burmis. Dr. Burmis will be answering our questions about fertility and reproductive health for people with lupus. Dr. Burmis is a professor in the Department of Internal Medicine at UT Southwestern Medical Center, specializing in rheumatology disorders. She also has a secondary appointment in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Before joining UT Southwestern, Dr. Burmis was the clinical director of the Lupus Center and co-director of the Program in Pregnancy and Rheumatic Diseases at Brigham and Women's and Harvard Medical School. Her research interests include pregnancy and rheumatic diseases, systemic lupus erythematosus and antiphospholipid syndrome, and rheumatic immune checkpoint inhibitor adverse events. We are delighted to have you join us today, Dr. Burmis. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I'm really pleased to be here to talk about this very important topic. Thank you. So why don't we just jump right in and get started? Um, so when we're talking about fertility and reproductive health for people with lupus, um, I thought maybe we should start at the beginning, which is puberty. Um, so for people who are diagnosed with lupus as children or teenagers, both male and female, how does having lupus affect um, puberty for them? So lupus, like other chronic illnesses, when children are actively sick, um, they often will have a delayed they can have a delayed puberty. Um, most of the time that's okay because they'll catch up after they're not as sick. And certain medications can impact that high dose of steroids. Um, cyclophosphamide can delay the onset of puberty in both boys and girls. So it has really to do with disease activity. Fortunately, in disease that you know occurs before children have completed uh, um, puberty, it's um, rare that there's long-term sequela of um, fertility, with the exception of people who really receive high-dose cyclophosphamide, and that's actually more impactful for young men than in um, young women, because in in women, um, while there is a, a slight risk of infertility, um, usually, if, if you're young enough, it's, it's not going to necessarily impact your long-term fertility. That's not so much the case with boys, in which um, one can argue if, if, um, that they may need sperm banking if they have been producing sperm. Okay. Um, great. Thank you. And I, I think that we'll return some to um, that effect, the effect of the cyclophosphamide on um, men a little bit later. So lupus is most commonly diagnosed in women of uh, quote-unquote childbearing age or 15 to 44. Um, for people with lupus who would like to get pregnant, what are some of the common concerns um, and how important is it to work with your doctor and plan a pregnancy if you have lupus? So this is um, just such an important question because as you correctly point out, Melissa, lupus is really a disease of reproductive age women, if we want to say what is the, the most number of patients who have lupus. Um, what people want to know when they're, they have a chronic illness, and so lupus is no different than they're planning a pregnancy, is several things. One is, is my disease going to flare during pregnancy? 
Two is, what medications can I take safely during pregnancy? Three is, is the disease going to impact that pregnancy outcome? Am I going to have a worse pregnancy outcome? Um, and it's extremely important for patients to be talking with their providers um, if, as they're anticipating pregnancy. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but that that we want our patients with lupus in particular to get pregnant when their disease is under good control while they're taking medicines that they can continue through pregnancy. Because we know that if their disease is under good control, when they get pregnant, they're much more likely to have, have a good pregnancy outcome, both the mom and the developing fetus. So it's really important that you communicate with the person who's taking charge and your, your main provider for your lupus care to discuss your intentions and your plans about family planning. Okay, great. Thank you. And so I just want to follow up that. What are you concerned about when um, you have a patient with lupus who is pregnant? I know, for example, antiphospholipid syndrome can be a concern. So can you talk a bit about that? So yeah. So first, let me focus on, on lupus itself. So what can occur? In particular, if you've had a prior history of kidney disease or if your disease is active at the time of conception, there's a greater risk of having a lupus flare during pregnancy than if you weren't pregnant. Rarely, but in, you know, what we really worry about is progression of kidney disease during pregnancy or I've had several patients um, over the course of caring for patients with lupus I've had patients who presented for the first time during pregnancy with lupus, lupus kidney disease. So that's wow. our big concern because that's the risk of causing the most organ damage to the mom's kidneys and the most issues. So that's what we worry about. We worry about disease activity that we need to control, and we worry about um, progression of certain organ manifestations such as renal disease. When that happens, we have to treat people often with high-dose um, steroids, often with other strong immunosuppressive agents. We also know that the, some of the that there's a higher risk of preeclampsia in women who have lupus, so we want to monitor patients for that. There's a higher risk of cesarean delivery, although that's very complicated because that's driven not only by whether someone really needs medically a cesarean versus is that the patient's desire, is that the provider's desire. Um, on the infant end, there is a slight increased risk of fetal loss um, in women who have lupus. There is an increased risk of premature uh, rupture of the membranes and early delivery uh, before term, and there's also a risk for small for gestational age infants. So for, these are some of the things that we're concerned about. Antifospholipid um, syndrome is um, a little bit of a different conversation because the presence of these antibodies, which are called antiphospholipid antibodies, can be seen in people who have lupus, but they can also be seen in other people who don't have lupus. And these antibodies can, in some patients, not all patients, but in some patients, contribute to clotting or a, a proclivity or an inclination to form blood clots. And they can also, in some patients, increase the risk of pregnancy losses. 
whether it's recurrent pregnancy losses in first trimesters of pregnancy or once you get to the second trimester, pregnancy losses at that time and also increased risk of preeclampsia. So the presence of these antibodies in people who have lupus adds more risk to their pregnancy. Okay, so that's really great information. So I just will have one more follow-up question about pregnancy, and that is that we've talked about, um, you've talked about the risks, but I want to circle back and, and ask, those risks can be managed appropriately, though, correctly. I mean, a, a person with lupus has a good chance of having a healthy pregnancy if those risks are managed appropriately. Is that yeah, so a fair so thing to you, say? Yeah, I want, that's a really good point. When I first started in this field and many years ago, people just didn't know enough and we were telling lup patients with lupus they shouldn't get pregnant. And sometimes patients mm -hmm. hear that. There, in majority of cases, patients can... Um, anticipate a, a safe um, pregnancy. If you, as I said, if you have really active um, kidney disease that can um, comp really complicate pregnancies, and patients who happen to have coexisting lung disease called pulmonary hypertension have um, very high risk pregnancies. But honestly, when patients, I'm seeing patients, 95 plus percent of my patients who have lupus are going to do fine and do do fine during pregnancy. So the take-home message should not be for patients, oh my gosh, I shouldn't get pregnant. The take-home message should be, I should talk about this with my provider. I should think about getting pregnant when my disease is under good control on medications that I can continue during pregnancy. And the majority of patients will do well. Okay, that's great to hear. So that's really reassuring. So my next question has to do with birth control, which is a really important part of planning a pregnancy. Um, so I wanted to ask, what do people with lupus need to know about birth control and their birth control options? So this is a great question. And I'm going to um, circle back and say the first thing, if I am, uh, I'm speaking with a lupus patient about birth control. The first thing I like to establish is, do they have the presence of these antiphospholipid antibodies? If they have the presence of the antiphospholipid antibodies, we just categorically will avoid any estrogen-containing birth control. So that can be things like you know, combined oral contraceptives. There are some estrogen-only type of birth controls, and we avoid those. Um, there are still options, though. There's progesterone-containing uh, birth control that are long-acting, um, and there's like there are IUDs that one can use in those scenarios. For patients with lupus who don't have antiphospholipid antibody, then we further divide, subdivide it into people who have more mild disease, and those patients probably can use any type of birth control they want, including low-dose estrogen combined oral contraceptives. Um, that was shown in some studies done in the early 2000s uh, to show that in patients with well-controlled lupus, low-dose estrogen did not increase the risk of flares. Remember, though, these are in people who are antiphospholipid antibody negative. Okay. Um, in patients who have had really active disease in the past and renal disease, we don't really have good data on whether or not they can use estrogen-containing um, birth control. So I amongst other people, will recommend to avoid estrogen-containing contraceptive methods in those patients as well. 
But remember, you know, when we talk about all of these things and risks of flare, it's important to point out that the risk of actually having a clot in pregnancy without having lupus or antiphospholipid antibodies is pretty high. So we want to make sure that patient, you know, having good contraception is, is an important thing. Okay, great. That's great to hear. And so just as a quick follow-up, how important is it to have a gynecologist who's prescribing your birth control, who, who understands lupus or who is, you know, in touch with your lupus doctor? I, I think that what I would say is this is a two-way street. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of, I guess I would call them action items or encouragement and a lot of research. And, and I think we're doing a better job to get the actual rheumatologist to be the person to initiate or at least initiate a conversation about family planning at the time of visits. But I think, you know, lupus is a disease that is, this is not a, you know, um, how can I say it? Your, your management team, it's like, it's not like you have one coach. There are many mm-hmm. people who are helping you manage your, your lupus. And that's why your rheumatologist needs to be willing and able to really talk to everybody, whether it's the gynecologist who's going to prescribe your contraception, whether it's your kidney doctor, whether it's your lung doctor, we all should be communicating with each other. And and it really generally works very well. I mean, very often, either it's something like a patient may ask me and I might say, I think an IUD is the safest form of birth control for you. I'm going to refer you to a gynecologist. Or conversely, a gynecologist says, I don't know if I can use oral contraceptives in you. Let me reach out to your rheumatologist. So we should always be communicating with other subspecialists or specialists as we care for our lupus patients. It's just, it's just part of what we need to do. Right. I think that's a great point and um, really great advice about a healthcare team and communication. So I want to shift gears just a little bit now to talk about men with lupus. So one in 10 uh, people diagnosed with lupus is male. Um, And we had talked a little earlier about the effects of um, some lupus medication on male fertility. And I was wondering if we could go back to that and talk a little bit more about the reproductive health considerations for men with lupus. Yeah, this is a great um, question. In these conversations, For the past several decades, you know, there has been less attention focused to men. One, because men obviously get lupus in the lower um, percentages, but we sort of just forget about the guys in this conversation. So it's really, it's such an important question. And, but I think we're all getting better of recognizing the importance. Here's, here's the, the great thing is that you really have to know very little information. There, there are two components when we think about men and medication. Well, sorry, there are three components. Let's just talk about fertility itself. It does turn out that if men have really active lupus, they will have, during the time of great disease activity, they will have reduced fertility if their disease is very active. But let's assume now their disease is under control. The question people have is, one, are there medicines that will cause genetic defects at the time of conception? That's question Mm -hmm. number one. And question number two is, for men who are having ongoing, um, who have female partners and having ongoing vaginal intercourse after that female is pregnant, 
if that man is taking a medication, is that a problem for the fetus? The, the classic example and question mm. for this is methotrexate, right? So is methotrexate going to cause some sort of alteration to the sperm where now there's a, a genetic defect or something that's going to predispose to congenital anomalies? That's question number one. And if I'm a man and I have lupus and I'm taking methotrexate and I'm and my uh, female partner is pregnant, and we continue to have vaginal intercourse while I'm taking methotrexate, is that problematic? So those are the two questions that we need to answer. It turns okay. out in terms of real um, alteration to the sperm for lupus medications, there are really only three medications we need to worry about. So the first medication is cyclophosphamide. So cyclophosphamide can cause both infertility, permanent infertility, and cause can potentially cause congenital anomalies. So that's the one medicine where we say, hey, you can't be on cyclophosphamide and try and get pregnant. And in fact, mm -hmm. if you're going to be treated with cyclophosphamide for your lupus, you should do sperm banking so that if you do go on, if you get enough cyclophosphamide, you don't get permanent um, azoospermia or, or permanent low levels of sperm so you can't conceive. So that's the, that's the major medication that we're concerned about. Thalidomide, um, we suggest um, men stop, not because of the fertility issues, because there are very, 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 very small concentration of thalidomide is in semen. And, you know, because of that and because of the really teratogenic risk of um, thalidomide, we recommend that men don't continue that med if they have a mm -hmm. partner who's pregnant. Okay, I'm sorry. Can I stop you and ask yes. you what does teratogenic mean? Oh, I'm so sorry. Teratogenic, it means that it could potentially cause birth defects. Ah, okay. Thank you. Um, in terms of other drugs of impacting fertility, the only other drug we worried about we worry about is something called asulfazine, sulfasalazine, or asulfadine, which can cause in some patients a little lower sperm count. We don't stop that medication up front unless a male is taking that medication and having trouble conceiving, and then we stop the medication and we'll do a semen analysis. But that's, those are the only other drugs. The reality is, is that medications taken by men, once their partner is, is pregnant, don't get concentrated in semen enough to really impact what's being absorbed vaginally by the woman that would then hypothetically go to the developing fetus. Okay. So the only medications you need to avoid as a man are cyclophosphamide and thalidomide. That's it. Everything else is considered okay to take. But it sounds like those two are pretty serious. Um, so it's yes, definitely something to talk to your yes. doctor about. Yes, but thalidomide we use very infrequently. It's usually only used for severe skin manifestations of lupus, not other disorders. So that's a rare drug. And cyclophosphamide, okay. which we used to use more for the induction treatment of lupus nephritis, we have many alternatives now. We use things like mycophenolate, mofetil, sometimes more, um, and other medicines for the kidney disease. So we're using mm -hmm. less and less cyclophosphamide. So this is a would be a rare. Okay, well that's good to hear. And I, you know, I I really didn't know 
um, so much of the, the answer to that question. So I thank you for answering that. And June is Men's Health Month, so um, it's the perfect time to to cover um, some of these these issues. And I, I do know that, um, you know, lots of times men with lupus feel a little forgotten um, in everything. And so uh, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to answer that. And and it, it leads me to my, my last question, um, you know, talking about all of these things about, you know, getting pregnant and not getting pregnant and the ability to get someone else pregnant. And, you know, a lot of these, topics are a little sensitive or people feel embarrassed. Um, and so as a doctor who, who treats people with lupus and talks about um, these issues all the time with her patients, what is your advice for people with lupus who have questions and concerns, or, but they're not sure how to raise a subject with their doctor and they feel embarrassed talking about it? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I think what my advice to patients would be is we are clinicians. Providers are trained or hopefully are trained to be good listeners who aren't judgmental. Our job is not to really, we're here ostensibly to help people. I mean, that's why we do what we do or should, that's why we should, that's the reason we should have gone into medicine. And our job, you know, when you're a provider, you've heard everything and anything. So as a patient, and I understand, I, you know, we're all patients too. So it's, there are certain topics that might feel uncomfortable, but your your duty is to yourself. Your first um, focus is on your health and taking care of yourself. And you can't really take care of yourself or your provider can't unless you can feel open and comfortable discussing all sorts of things. But, you know, high on that list is reproductive choices, sexuality, um, sexual function, contraception, these are important areas for you to feel comfortable talking about. Now, hopefully, we're doing our job on our end by asking you some of these questions in an open-ended way that you feel comfortable answering. It's, you know, both of us have to be contributing to it, but but there's nothing that you're ever going to discuss with your provider that, that they, well, you know, obviously there's something that they've never heard before. Most of the time, they've had these discussions with patients. And you can only be your best self and your healthiest self if you are open and share this stuff with your provider. That is great advice. Thank you. I, I think it's so important to remember that sexuality and fertility and reproductive health are an important part of having a good quality of life, which is what you know, every doctor wants for their patients. And so it's a it's an important part of self-care to talk to your doctors about these things. So um, that's really great advice. Thank you for that. So we're out of time. And I do just want to say thank you for talking with us about fertility and, and reproductive health. And um, for those who are listening in, you can find more information on lupus on the National Resource Center on Lupus by visiting lupus.org forward slash resources. And to listen to additional episodes of the Expert Series, you can visit lupus.org forward slash the Expert Series, where you can also subscribe to get alerts when podcasts are released. If you would like to speak with one of our health education specialists about this topic or anything else, you can go to lupus.org forward slash health educator or call 1-800-558-0121. And finally, 
To connect with others with lupus from all over the world, I invite you to check out our online support community, Lupus Connect, where you can talk with others and find emotional support and discuss practical insights for coping with the daily challenges of lupus. You can find the community at lupus.org forward slashes resource forward slash lupus connect. So I want to thank you again, Dr. Burmis, and I want to thank you to everyone who is listening, and I hope that you all have a wonderful day. Thank you.